Execute Order 66. DorkSideOfTheForce.com presents Podcast 66. Ryan and Daniel take you all across the Star Wars universe with the latest news, rumors, and more. DorkSideOfTheForce.com is a proud member of the Fan Sided Network. Welcome to Podcast 66, but before we get started, I have to start off, anything Star Wars has to be started off correctly, so I, I, I don't think it would do justice unless we started out the correct way. It doesn't get any more iconic than that. So, I mean, by the way, my name is Ryan Donahoe. I am the co-host of Podcast 66 here on DorkSideOfTheForce.com. And as always, DorkSideOfTheForce.com is a proud member of the Fan Sided Network. Um, that is so iconic that anybody who watched Star Wars growing up can remember putting in the VHS, or if you're even younger, putting in the DVD, and 20th Century Fox and THX coming on. And that's when you knew it was time for Star Wars to come on. Like, I can remember... Now, full disclaimer, before we even get any farther in any other podcast or article that I write for DorkSideOfTheForce.com, I am only 21 years old, which makes me a young Star Wars fan to a lot of people, because Star Wars has been going since 1977, which means the fans have been going since 1977. But um, I can still remember I was two years old, and that's when I first got introduced into Star Wars, because my dad, who was born in the 60s, was a giant Star Wars fan, saw all the originals in the theaters, and really wanted to make sure, you know that we like Star Wars growing up. So 
Uh, I can remember 1995. I was two years old, and these uh, these special editions on VHS came out with the Darth Vader and Yoda covers, and my dad bought them. I can remember those were the first movies I ever saw that weren't you know Pocahontas, or whatever movies came out in the theaters back in the 90s, and I can remember those that that came out, and that's what. You know, that that's what my first introduction to the film was, was Star Wars. And then in 95 as well, my first toys that weren't like chew toys and stuffed animals were the the Kenner toys that were re-released, um, where they released the original trilogy characters in 95. Kenner toys released like uh, Luke in a rebel suit and Han Solo and, and Leia in the, in the white in the uh, New Hope. Uh, costume and and so that basically ever since I was two years old I've been going for Star Wars and when I was six uh, Phantom Menace came uh, to theaters that was the first movie I ever saw in theaters that I can really remember I remember going to the theaters and and seeing that 20th Century Fox and and literally like you know and we'll get into this in a minute like that is so iconic that I can remember being, uh, you know, young and we'd play a, a, another movie. I can't even remember what movie it was now. Whatever, whatever 20th Century Fox would be and that that fanfare would play and I look at my dad and be like why are they using Star Wars as fanfare? Like, I had literally had no idea. I didn't know anything about the film industry, and I literally thought that belonged to Star Wars. That's how connected that was, and uh, we'll get into what that means for Disney and stuff in a minute. But, uh, you know, as far as me, I am a 21-year-old star. I like talking Star Wars. I'm not super intense fanboy because I'd been focusing on sports because I also write for SoaringDownSouth.com on the network covering the Atlanta Hawks. I get to interview NBA players, go to the locker room down in Atlanta and Phillips Arena, and I've been big on sports. And But I recently um, have connected my fandom to Star Wars, started watching you know the films and started reading about it and getting excited about Episode 7 and talking to my co-host. And he kind of, you know, seeing his tweets on the Internet kind of got me excited about it. So I started writing for the site on the network, and I'm writing about Star Wars, and we're podcasting about Star Wars. But, you know, it's, it's, it's basically my entire, you know, growing up, the entertainment revolved around Star Wars because that's all my toys, all my movies. And growing up since I was two years old, um, that was, that's what it was. Star Wars was my pop culture. There was no other, you know, way around it. But uh, I'm very excited about doing this and, and writing on dorksideoftheforest.com. But as I've mentioned ton- tons and tons of times, I do have a co-host. And uh, this guy has forgotten more about Star Wars than I'll ever know, period. Uh, all the way down in sunny Florida, Daniel Barry, the floor is yours. Take take it and let everybody know, you know, why Star Wars is uh, is, is important to you. All right. Well, hey Ryan, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Man, you do sound excited. I'm psyched. I'm psyched, man. I'm really psyched. You sound really excited. Are you excited? Oh, I'm I'm extremely excited. That's what <laughs> I mean. Like. We've been talking about doing this and writing for the site, and now you know you've killed it with the Comic Con coverage and stuff, and and that's been you know if you you can go on dorksideoftheforce.com and check out Daniel and I's work, mostly Daniel's right now because the guy has just taken over the site and been a monster with these Comic Con recaps and, and interviews from Mark Hamill, which we'll touch all in, later in this episode. So, oh, uh, well, I thank you. That's very kind of you, Ryan. There has been so much Star Wars news to cover over the last. Well, goodness, a couple years, but the last few weeks in particular have been nuts. As for myself, boy, 95, you were two. Yep. I was 14, my friend. Wow. Yeah, I guess that I makes can, me I, I, I a guess, little older. <laughs> I guess I can call you old then. I guess that's justified. You call me that crazy old fool <laughs> or, or, you know, whatever Han calls uh, Obi-Wan. It's funny you uh, mentioned that THX and uh, 20th Century Fox thing happening. Yeah, that that really takes me back, man. You know, when I was I was about your the same age when I was first exposed to Star Wars. Of course, uh, my exposure was like yours: VHS tapes on 
television back in the 80s, I just missed the movies theatrically. I just wasn't old enough to see Jedi. I was two when Jedi was out in theaters. But uh, much like you, man, I, I totally uh, relate that 20th Century Fox fanfare, that classic John uh, – well, that's not even John Williams. It was uh, a composer named Alfred Newman uh, who actually originally composed that um, – for the studio, I believe, back in the 40s, I believe, uh, 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 learning that. Actually, I learned that from reading through the uh, Star Wars soundtracks, the special editions that were released uh, shortly after the films were re-released in the 90s. Do you remember those? No. Yeah, you're, you're dating yourself on that one. <laughs> well, uh, I, I digress. Uh, much like you, I, I, I relate that fanfare to the Star Wars films themselves, even when I was after I was old enough to realize that, of course, for the 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 breadth of all of 20th Century Fox's films for for many many years included that fanfare and and still do even on the television series, I still think of Star Wars every time I hear that. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And as long as far as the THX thing goes, and, and the listeners, you troopers can call me on this, but I feel like those exact VHS releases you were mentioning, Ryan, the uh, the, the special editions that came out with the, um, well, it wasn't even the special editions, it was just the VHS tapes with Vader and the Stormtrooper and Yoda and on the Yoda, cover. Yeah. I, 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 could, I, could, I could be mistaken, but I think those were the first... Well, it was the first time that, that any Star Wars movies was prefaced by that awesome THX uh, sound logo with the huge swell of, of synthesizer or what have you. And that 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 kind of became tied to Star Wars as well. Um, but I feel like those were the first, those videos you were speaking of that you grew up with, that was the first time. So that was new to me when those videos came out. I, well, I always grew up with the 20th Century Fox fanfare, but that THX thing. But yeah, that... Uh, that's good stuff, man. Great way to start the show. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, that's what, you know, there's, I'm really glad Disney took over. And I'm really glad that we're getting more movies. But I do think we're going to miss sitting in the theater and, you know, you got your popcorn, it's dark, and you can feel the excitement in your in your blood start to boil. And, you know, just imagine sitting there and the 20th Century Fox logo comes back up after, you know, 10 years of not having any Star Wars in, in the theaters um, that would be really awesome, but you know, I guess we can't complain too much. At least we're getting films. You know, I guess you know Disney will. I I have no doubt Disney will come up with something that will become hopefully memorable to the future. That will be in front of every standalone film in front of seven, eight, and nine. And hopefully Disney comes up with something awesome. But I do think we should pay tribute to uh, to that. And I think any Star Wars thing that starts out, I think that 20th Century Fox thing and the THX kind of tie it together. So I did want to I did want to do that. That would be interesting. I'm really interested. That's one of the things I look forward to the most with these new films. Funnily, funnily enough, such a small thing, but how is Disney going to open those films? You know, they have that great um, intro with the castle and Tinkerbell and the pirate ship and the, the theme music, da, 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 you know, from uh, right. uh, Pinocchio. It'd be funny, you know, because we do know John Williams is returning to score at least episode seven. Um to see if he writes something original to kind of tie in with that, just kind of segues into, you know, I always joke with, with my friends when we see a new Disney movie in the theater, ever since the Disney purchase happened, I, I get so jazzed now when I see that Disney logo. I always did, but now I think, 
man, when Star Wars opens, it's going to segue right into something like the Imperial March or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see. Now, we are starting this podcast. This is episode one of Podcast 66 on dorksideoftheforce.com. We will be on iTunes shortly, and you will eventually find us other places as well. But um, you can go to dorksideoftheforce.com to catch up on all episodes of Podcast 66 and the writing that Daniel and I do for the site on the fan-sided network. Um, now, I am married. I am 21, but I am married. And my wife and I, I was a big Boy Meets World fan. When when that show was out, I, I saw almost every episode of Boy Meets World. I love the show Boy Meets World. So I was really excited when they were going to release Girl Meets World where uh, – Corey and Topanga have a kid and all that kind of. Those of you who like Boy Meets World, you know what I'm talking about. But does to, does Topanga still look great? To me, she looks like a fish. Now, I, I've always been in, <laughs> I've always been in the uh, the category of I don't think she's attractive, and uh, uh-huh. I guess I'm in the minority because she looks like a fish to me, and I my wife agrees with me. But uh, hey, so, man, Ariel was a fish too, and she was. Woo. Ariel was also not very smart and 16 years old, but. Um, all right, now painting me to be, look real creepy right now. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But that's why I just try to kind of move on from that one. But um, so anyway, we're watching Girl Meets World, and um, she didn't watch Boy Meets World. She watched a couple. She didn't like it, but we wanted to watch Girl Meets. World. She loves Disney. I love Disney, and we were watching on the Disney Channel, and she was like, "Is it was Boy Meets World this terrible?" And I'm like, uh. I'm like, this is weird because they're really trying to establish the storyline. They're really trying to establish the characters on this show where they keep mentioning over and over again, like, um, you know, his daughter keeps saying, you know, I want to find out what's going on in this world. And his, uh, her daughter's or his daughter's friend is like trying to be like his friend. And they keep trying to establish the character so hard that it feels like they're not moving along with the story. And I feel like Uh that's, that's kind of my message to those early listeners of podcast 66 is that we're trying to establish ourselves and what this podcast is going to be about. So when you listen to episode one of the podcast, it'll be 1500 times different than episode 15 or episode this is, 100. So, right. So this is sort of uh, boy meets star Wars. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's basically what I'm saying, but uh, yeah, but you know, and it's funny because my wife doesn't like Star Wars, but that's my, like, my wife is, is really awesome. She, we were packing all of our stuff to move into our house. You know, we just got married back in April and, uh, I was, we were going through the stuff in my room and she's like, you know, she doesn't like Star Wars, doesn't really care, you know, anything about it or whatever. And she's like, take your, I think she said, she was like, take your stupid action figures. So, you know, you can give them to our kids. And I just kind of stared at her and I'm like, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty all right. You know, like, even though you don't like Star Wars, you're not ruling it out for our kids. And so that was a pretty cool moment for me, which I, mean, I was going to take them anyway. But, you know, just just for her to say, you know, hey, take those. She said stupid action figures, but we, we can ignore that part. But, you know, I got, you know, this box full of action figures, you know, that's in, you know, that's in our house now, you know, because, you know, ready for our kids. So that, that I want to give a shout out to my wife for uh, for being pretty awesome. So, uh you know, definitely uh, for those who you'll men- you'll hear me mention my wife in this podcast. And uh, Daniel, I believe, is getting ready to get married. Five more months, man. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's really fun, especially newlyweds. It's fun. I don't can't speak for like five years down the road, but newlyweds is fun. So, mm. but um, enough about us. Like I said, you'll hear us kind of. We're kind of like a new show establishing characters, so that basically as the story goes on, we'll establish ourselves. But. We do want to get into some Star Wars Episode Seven news. This is—you'll I mean, hear us say over and over again that this is the best time to be a Star Wars fan ever because 
with all the new things happening, new TV shows, new books, new comics, new uh, movies, first and foremost, uh, the same old characters that everybody loves are coming back. So constantly there's rumors and everything going around. Speaking of rumors, now this has been the, probably the most talked about rumor, at least in the podcasting and blogging world. Um, it comes from Badass Digest, published on July 20th by Devin Faraci. Now, uh, now, before you move forward, uh, Ryan, even though this this is starting to, you know, this has been uh, a week or two now, but there are people that might be hiding under rocks, so maybe we would just want to give a little potential spoiler alert. True, true. Know. So that that's one that's one thing. Now, I know when those TMZ photos came released, I saw you on Twitter, Daniel, where you're like, look, I want to kind of go dark until December of 2015, which obviously you're not going to, but so you're pretty, right. let me get this straight, are you pretty against spoilers? You know, I, I, spoilers is a is a is a weird thing now. It's a pretty flimsy word. Those photos from the set were definitely spoilers. Now they didn't spoil any plot points really. That you know, there's no context. You're seeing these pictures. You're thinking, well, what what is this? And where does it fit into the story? We have no idea. There's a lot of people who think they know, but I don't think they know anything. But uh, that's another conversation we'll have. But. Uh, um, yeah, you know, I honestly, Ryan, I still have not looked through all those set photos. I, I saw a few of them, obviously, that were coming through my Facebook feeds and such, and I had to stop and go, ooh, look at that. Um, you know, again, you know, I'm not going to reveal anything else for those of you who share my uh, aversion to potential spoilers. I'm not going to say what I saw, but um, for those of you who saw them, obviously understand they didn't really reveal that much. Um but I still didn't want to look through all of them because I just sort of feel uh, dirty looking at that. You know, I just feel like oh, these aren't supposed to be out yet. You know, I don't want to know anything. I, in fact, you know, even though it's my job to, to report on this stuff, I, I almost wish that there was a way for me not to see or hear anything until the day the film comes out. You know, I'll deal with the trailer, the, the trailers and, and the poster. And that's that's all. I don't even want the soundtrack until after the movie, because as we know from the past, the soundtrack can uh, tip you off to certain plot elements that you wish it kept secret. Yeah, thanks a lot, Qui-Gon's death on the episode one right. soundtrack. But anyways, okay, so we'll go back to... Now, anytime there's any potential spoilers, we will alert you. Uh, eventually, we'll have some sort of fancy, funny noise, but right now you have us telling you spoiler alert. So um, back on July 20th, which was now you know weeks, uh, almost two weeks ago, uh, now I've never heard it. Like that's when when I say I kind of was out of the fanboy loop. Like there's things like Badass Digest and things that I've never actually heard of these sites. But everybody that I read was like, no, this Devin Faraci guy, man, he gets everything right, and you know sure. anything. He doesn't even like Star Wars, but he just you know okay, that's that's real great. But that doesn't mean that uh, you know J.J. Abrams, which we'll get into this in a second. That doesn't mean J.J. Abrams can kind of sprinkle out some false stuff. But anyways, anyway, so back on July 20th, uh, this Devin Faraci on Badass Digest says. Uh, that he has the opening and the plot points to Star Wars Episode Seven. So once again, wow. spoilers alert. Really? Yeah. So this what? this guy apparently what? apparently is J.J. Uh, Abrams. You know, I guess he's he's a little fly on the wall. But anyways, he says, "Imagine the standard Star Wars crawl, and when it ends, the camera pans up to the stars. But instead of a spaceship zooming into frame, we see a hand, a severed hand tumbling through space, a severed hand gripping a lightsaber. Now." The hand falls onto a desert planet where it's discovered by characters who will be our heroes. One is Daisy Ridley. The other is John Boyega, who is playing someone trying to change his path in life. 
they recognize the lightsaber as Jedi relic and decide to return it to the proper people. So that's the opening is apparently a hand floating through space instead of a spaceship like um, every other every other episode. Um, and this time it falls onto the planet somehow, just miraculously just plops onto uh, this desert planet, Abu Dhabi, and uh, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley are walking by, and it, maybe it hits John Boyega in the, in the head or something. Who knows? But anyways, Ouch. apparently this hand, according to Badass Digest, is the beginning of Star Wars, and uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, he goes on to say their quest takes them off-world, um, and they meet up with Han Solo and Chewbacca, who aren't flying the Millennium Falcon anymore but are piloting. And uh, Han and Chewie recognize the lightsaber as Luke's, and they say they haven't seen their friend in 30 years since the events of Return of the Jedi. And then he goes on to say that Episode 7 kind of echoes Episode uh, 4, where um, the hand kind of represents R2 coming to Tatooine, and then they have to go save Luke. And, and that's that's about that. So that's Devin Faraci of Badass Digest that came out with that. Now, we'll talk about our thoughts about that in just a second, but uh, it is worth noting that this is infamous.com on a day afterwards on July 21st uh, a guy named Billy Donnelly came out and wrote an article for this is infamous.com and said that the uh, he kind of said look um, you know that's not exactly entirely true so this once again is a spoiler alert he says episode 7 will begin with the traditional crawl spelling out where we are and giving us some indication as to where the, the that familiar galaxy far far away rests and all these years since return of the Jedi then once it fades off screen we will indeed getting this we will indeed get this floating hand with lightsaber floating through space. Well, sorta. My sources indicate that the hand is a bit too gruesome of an image to kick off the new trilogy of films with, but Luke's lightsaber that would have been set free from Cloud City as he was released into dangling uh, from its weather vane will be there front and center. From there, it will be discovered in the desert, most certainly not Tatooine, as I was told, by some sort of non-human alien creature, much like the Jawas, came across the droids, um, back in A New Hope. From there, it will quickly come to the hands of John Boyega, who will be, in fact, be a stormtrooper, or at least was a stormtrooper before the defeat of the Empire, and Daisy Ridley's character, who still remains mysterious in nature. That will set into motion some events that bring about the search for Luke Skywalker, who has essentially fallen off the grid, unseen by all since the Rebel Alliance's victory, but the lightsaber is by no means the main piece of Star Wars Episode Seven that drives the story. As it was explained to me, it is more thorough... The, is a more through line of Skywalker legacy that connects the prequels to the original trilogy to this new trilogy. Imagine if you saw the prequels first when Obi-Wan presents Anakin's lightsabers to his son. That's some pretty cool connective tissue. That's the spirit in which this detail exists. So those who've been crying over episode seven being the return of Luke's hand, take a deep breath and calm down. That's not the case. So that was kind of a lot to read there, but basically he's saying, look, the lightsaber is going to be happening. John Boyega and Daisy Ridley are going to find that lightsaber and uh, but he kind of says now something about the uh, the Cloud City lightsaber. So I'm not really sure if he's trying to say that that hand is the Episode Five hand from when uh, Darth Vader chops it off. Then he decides to uh, go all suicidal and jump off the cliff. But um, right. now that's now when I read the original Badass Digest report and it said that a severed hand gripping a lightsaber. And I think most Star Wars fans, which I would think, would go back to immediately and say, oh. Episode five, uh, Luke's hand, you know, got chopped off, and it was floating in space forty, almost forty years later, according to these timeline events. And then it falls onto a desert planet, which both websites are now saying is not Tatooine. But uh, to me, and this is the way I looked at it, to me, I, I, I'm going to be on record to say that I think Star Wars Episode Seven will be the first 
two billion dollar grossing film. Now that's kind of a big goal, but if you really think about it, to me this is the most anticipated film of all time. Um, I think the fan base is really excited about getting back to these characters, getting back to the same world that we saw uh, in the original trilogy. I think people will see it. I'm no doubt doubting that somebody's going to hit the 100 mark. Somebody might even hit the 200 mark of people watching this movie in theaters. There's going to be serious money spent on this. And so you're telling me that the most anticipated film of all time, potentially the first $2 billion film of all time, uh, potentially the first... um, you know, the first look at, at Luke Skywalker, uh, Princess Leia, and Han Solo again will all be kicked off with a floating hand that is not the Episode Five hand, but the hand of Luke, you know, the robot hand or whatever. And you're telling me that they're going to start off with something that gimmicky and that dumb? I probably, I'm not a betting man, but I probably wouldn't bet on that being the opening. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of that thought and I, I admit that my initial reaction was to completely blow it off and say oh man if you're gullible enough to believe this um but there's a lot of people online that i follow that you know have a lot a lot of legit uh knowledge on on the on the wars that uh have read into this you know several different ways and a lot of them are giving some credence to it i don't find a lot of people giving it the absolute pass but I thought it was very interesting that the day after Devin reported this initially on Badass Digest, in fact, that day, uh, almost immediately, the the internet blew up with conflicting opinions about this, whether it was true, whether it had any uh, truth to it, if it was a good idea, if it was a bad idea, which I thought was great. Um, I initially blew it off and thought it was hilarious, and the more I thought about it throughout the week, it kind of bugged me. and then I thought it was so interesting, as I was saying, that the very next day, uh, you know, another reporter with, with inside sources comes out and sort of not completely debunks it, but pretty much, you know, debunks the main nugget of what was so con- uh, controversial about the initial report, the, fr- the floating in hand and all the little debates that go along with that is, can a hand survive reentry into an atmosphere and which lightsaber was? Was it? Was it the one that Luke lost on Bespin? Was it the one? You know, there's a lot to it, and I have two trains of thought with this. I don't want to really nitpick it uh, too much, but if you really pay attention to, to two things, one, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams and, and the way he tells stories through his films and television series, and the other um, being that everything we are hearing. Uh, from legitimate sources of people that 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 have been there and seen it, like Kevin Smith, which of course we'll get to later. All these reports we're hearing from legitimate sources about what the movie is going to be seems to lean towards JJ really wants to capture the spirit, the style, and, and the feel of the original trilogy, episodes four through six. Now, you could debate whether a frozen hand floating through space really fits into that style or that 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 spirit of the original trilogy you know you could go either way it's 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 a little goofy um i don't think anyone would 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 disagree with that but you know a lot of that the star wars especially in the original trilogy i should look at episode four for for heaven's sakes is, is could be pretty goofy um but i just i just don't see 
that much detail coming out about the beginning of the film, you know, and, and JJ being okay with that. Now, my one train of thought tells me maybe this was leaked on purpose as false info, which would be hilarious, and and it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, go against what I've what we've seen from JJ in the past. You know, you know when when he was making the second Star Trek film, you know he let it leak out that uh, you know Khan was the the villain, but then he went back and denied it, and of course all the fans were like, that can't be true, that's ridiculous, and of course. You know, he, he trolled everybody because that's, in fact, what happened. Um, but, you know, the other, my other train of thought tells me, you know, these reports are are, are are dead wrong, but there may be some nuggets of truth in there, Ryan. Um, it might be really cool for, uh, say, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber to be discovered by new characters and, and be that, that be the driving point of the movie somehow um i like that idea uh how they specifically went about setting it up in these two uh reports seems a little bit flimsy to me um to 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 put to rest the whole whether it's the lightsaber from cloud city or not and again i'm nitpicking this is this is in this discussion we're offering much credence to these reports as if they're they have any truth to them whatsoever but if you are going to roll with that uh, I believe the the hand that was severed on Cloud City and the lightsaber that was was it was gripping are clearly shown after Luke falls down onto the needle below Cloud City and he's just hanging there helplessly calling for his sister. Leia! Leia! Right. Uh, I, I believe that it sh- clearly shows two objects falling uh, down into the abyss of clouds below him. And I, and I always took that as one was his hand and one was his lightsaber, and they clearly aren't connected. Um, it would be really interesting if, if J.J. kind of set it up in a way. Again, this is going off of these reports, which I don't really buy, but there's some there's some cool ideas in there that, that could come out of it. Um, if, if J.J. kind of did sort of a, of a setup in which – you know, at some point, someone does discover that lightsaber because that lightsaber is really important to the saga. It was Anakin's first, of course, and then Obi Wan got it when he chopped Anakin's hands off, um, and then he held onto it for twenty years and then gave it to Luke, uh, and then Luke lost it by getting his hand chopped off by Anakin. Uh, hello, you know that's pretty that's pretty uh, bookended. Um, uh it would be really cool to bring that lightsaber back into the story somehow, even 30 years or 30 plus years after, after Luke loses it on cloud city, how you would go about doing that, how JJ would go about setting that up. I have no idea. Some people have um, uh, speculated that possibly we'll see some flashbacks in this movie. Um, To me, that goes totally against, uh, you know, the original spirit of the films. There were no flashbacks, but I say, Hey, why not? I mean, I'll turn it back to you, but uh, yeah, you know these these rumors—they seem really uh, flimsy to me. They seem really—I don't buy them at all. Um, but of course, I'm I'm very interested in hearing other points of view. I'd love to hear what our listeners think about it, even though we've been talking about this now at nauseum for for going on two weeks. But uh, yeah, I don't buy into it. But I think there is some potential for some pretty interesting, maybe some really cool uh, plot pieces for the film. 
you know, if if there is a little nugget of truth here, uh, maybe someone heard something from someone from JJ's camp, and after a game of telephone, you know, it turned into this big, bloated, like hard to swallow, uh, you know, story. But uh, you know, maybe maybe one of those two lightsabers that that we see Luke uh, using in the original trilogy, maybe maybe he does lose one. Uh, here or there, but let me just finish with this, and then I'll turn it back to you. I know I've rambled here. The the the, the heart of what bothers me about this is Luke losing a limb or a weapon to anyone. Okay, and here's what I'm here's what I mean by that. Luke Skywalker, at the point of Return of the Jedi, and clearly thereafter, is the most badass dude in the galaxy. It's not Lando Calrissian. It's not Boba Fett. Luke went up against the Emperor and Vader and came out, I mean, a little fried, but he came out on top, okay? Right. Not even Mace Windu can make that claim. Of, <laughs> you know, Mace Windu, he's the one that lost. He's lying in a gutter somewhere on Coruscant, <laughs> crying his eyes out. You know, not even Mace could go up against the Emperor and Anakin and, and, and live to tell the tale, but Luke did. Now, if anyone after that can get the better of Luke Skywalker. I think that completely devalues all of Luke's plot development, all of his character development. It makes him, you know, they're all oh, these new characters. These reports kind of infer that the new characters are sent off to rescue Luke or find his friends to help save him. Luke Skywalker, folks, newsflash, Luke Skywalker does not need saving. Okay. I, if you're going to disrespect that character like that, I don't want to hear it. I, I don't think JJ would do that. That's the point. I haven't heard anybody mention that. I haven't heard anyone say that this is the problem with this. Luke Skywalker loses another hand. He loses a lightsaber. That would make him like hapless, like he's a hack. The dude is the man, okay? He saved the galaxy, right? He is, you know, debatably the chosen one. Anyways, that's the thing that really bothered me. Yeah. Rant, well, end of rant. <laughs> we'll we'll kind of close the door on this in in just a second because it's old news now. But my my original thoughts to it were two things. Um, the first one was, um, you know, episode five. George Lucas says, "Hey, script. Uh, Obi Wan killed your father," and everybody around set was like, "Obi Wan killed his father." That that's what the story was. That's why he screamed no. That's what Darth Vader told him. Then right before the scene was shot go up, whisper in uh, Mark Hamill's ear, uh, he's going to say, Luke, I am your father, walks away. So it kind of reminded me of J.J. Abrams being the most brilliant mind to me around film today, one of the most brilliant minds around film today, very planned. So anything that's going to leak out of his his camp is going to be because of him. Like I thought the the TMZ photos had a connection to J.J. Abrams because, you know, they released – um, it, they released, and if you look at it, they didn't really release any info. There were no main characters in those photos. They were all extras. And um, and J.J. Abrams has been, and Disney have been very secretive about this movie. I, I don't think that they'd let extras have their cell phones. Like, to me, if you're an extra in this film, I'm pretty sure you leave your cell phone at home or you pick it up at the end of the day. And these pictures were taken by presumably an extra. Nobody in the picture was worried, you know, if, if it were me. And they have this big, you know, most anticipated film of all time. And some extra comes up to me and is like, 
hey, pose for a picture. I'm going to slap the phone out of his hand and be like, get out of my face. And instead, these guys are like smiling and these guys are happy. So it kind of, kind of, kind of to me gave a little bit of J.J. Abrams saying, I'm going to give you a little bit to make it seem like there's some leaks just so, you know, nothing actually leaks out that's important. So to me, I could kind of feel like J.J.'s like, hey, hey, dude, guess what? Opening of this film, floating hand. And then kind of walk. Then he kind of. Then he kind of walks yeah, away. Ryan, wouldn't it be Ryan? Ryan, Ryan, wouldn't it be great if those photos that were leaked were actually taken by JJ on his own cell phone? I kind of like. I'm not going to go that far, but that's kind of <laughs> what. When I was looking at the photos, I'm kind of like, you know what? This seems very planned. It, it showed a giant hog. It showed, uh, you know, some people that's dressed. Horrible. Yeah, it showed some people, you know, dressed kind of ridiculously, and it kind of, kind of to me, gave a little bit of. You know, people are 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 poaching for spoilers. People are poaching for set pictures, and I'm gonna give them stuff to make them freak out. Kind of like, you know, he's been very planned with these Force for Change videos, which we'll get into in just a minute. And oh, so, great. and so they're to great. me, to me, that's what it is to me. It feels like this is JJ being like, "Hey, bud, come here. And guess what? You know what? Yeah. Floating hand." And then he just walks away. And then, you know, <laughs> right. you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm not doubt. I'm not doubting Devin's sources. I'm not doubting that the guy is credible. But sure. what he could be fed could have been. Hey, guess what? Floating hand. And just like, you know, Obi-Wan killed your father in episode five, there was some truth to, you know, there was something very devastating that had to do with his, you know, father. And so it could be like, you know what? They are going to find the lightsaber. They are going to be searching for Luke Skywalker. It may not be because he's captured, maybe because they need him. Um, You know, it could be like a Han Solo is, you know, is, you know, realizing that there's some evil out on the horizon, Leia's like, hey, look, dude, you got to go find my brother. And he's like, I don't know how. And then, you know, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley are walking by, and there's a lightsaber, and they're like, you know, what on earth is this? Somehow they run into Han and Chewie, much like, you know, they ran into him in the cantina back in episode four. And I could see something like that happening, but, and I think maybe the hand might be a little diversion, so you focus on the hand, not the rest of the, you know, because as soon as they mentioned the floating hand, everybody went crazy. And what they missed yeah. was that there could actually be some actual plot points after that. So it kind of seems, this all kind of seems planned to me, and that's kind of how I uh, how I viewed the uh, the famous floating hand. So we'll kind of shut the door on that because it's old news. Sure. And I guess sure. we'll all, you know, we'll all end up being wrong if that happens. But, you know. I hope so. I, I hope that everything comes out. And, you know, and, and, oh, you know, this might be, this might happen or this might happen. This is what I've heard. This is what I've heard. I hope when we see that film on opening day, there's not a person in, in the media or any, anywhere else that, that got it right. I hope it's a complete shock to everybody. I mean, cause that's really what any of us fans really should want. Surprise me. Exactly. And, um, so you mentioned in that, in that, uh, little ranch you had over there that it could be a flashback, you know, something like that could be happening, and you said that doesn't go along with the uh, with the kind of thing of Star Wars as flashbacks. Um, but it is very J.J. Abrams to do that. True. I mean, he has flashbacks or some kind of time travel in almost everything he does. So um, this is from WrestlingRumors.net. This has not got a lot of play from, uh, mm-hmm. from the Star Wars news cycle, but it says... Could the wrestler Sheamus, I guess, I don't know anything about WWE, so if those of you who do know what I'm talking about, I guess his name's Sheamus or Sheamus or whatever his name is. Anyways, could Sheamus be crossing over to the dark side? Recent reports claim that Sheamus may be away from WWE television currently to appear as Darth Vader in the upcoming Star Wars sequel, Star Wars Episode Seven. While Irish publication The Irish Mirror recently ran a story on the matter, Sheamus took to Twitter to comment on such rumors. 
In the tweet, Seamus says, I can't confirm that I won't be reprising the role of Darth Vader in Star Wars. I hope that's clear. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not clear. But anyways, it says, initially WWE has said that he's been away uh, f- due to a severe flu. However, recent images of Seamus riding bikes and looking to be severely high spirits seem to contradict those claims. People around town where Star Wars is currently filming, which we'll get into that in just a second, in Ireland have noted that they've seen Seamus around for multiple days, indicating that he's doing something significant there. Seamus has played Darth Vader for Star Wars promotional tours before, and he may very well be joining the cast and crew of J.J. Abrams' newest installment of the franchise. His frame is perfect for the role, and much like Kevin Nash was perfect for uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that part doesn't matter, one would assume that Darth Vader's role in the upcoming film would be mere flashback, but since he's perished at the end of Return of Jedi, but we won't know for sure until the motion picture arrives so Seamus Mr. WWE wrestler who's got some crazy spiky orange hair here in this picture you can go to wrestlingrumors.net and also fansided.com which is our main page and you can see the report on there as well so Seamus could be playing Darth Vader now I think this is ridiculous number one I don't think Darth Vader will be in episode 7 but the fact that the guy is in Ireland number one he's Irish so he could be at home but um the guy he uh he's in Ireland and he has the build for Darth Vader. What that mean that what that could mean though is that Seamus could be in episode seven because he has a connection to Lucasfilm by playing Darth Vader in promotional tours. Uh also, um because of his build he could be in some giant costume. He could be manning something that JJ has built that takes a really strong guy and he could have went to Kathleen Kennedy and she could have said uh, well, you know, Seamus has done work for us before. It could have been something like that. So um, we're not going to go too deep into whether Seamus is playing Darth Vader in a movie where Darth Vader's dead. But, um, you know, that's something to look on the eye out. Could Darth Vader be in a flashback? That's a potential. What he could be flashing back to, I don't know. That seems more spinoff filmish to me. Like maybe Seamus could play Darth Vader in a Darth Vader spinoff film. But that's something to keep an eye out. A WWE wrestler Seamus uh, says he cannot... He can't confirm that he won't be reprising the role of Darth Vader. So that's something that may end up being something bigger than even the hand report, and no one's talking about it. Hmm. Well, you flashback or no, we did have a moment in even in the original trilogy in which Vader did appear uh, as an apparition or something, um, you know, on uh, in that magic tree cave. Oh, you're talking um, about on, on, on Dagobah? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so hey, look. You know, JJ is a fan of, uh, you know, flash sideways, flash forwards, flash backs. I mean, we saw a lot of that on Lost, of course, as, among other projects of his. His uh, he likes to go back and forth, well, even more than Tarantino, I think. Wow. <laughs> and the other thing to remember is Vader was portrayed in the original three by a guy much like Seamus David Prowse, who. Uh, was a bodybuilder who, you know, found himself in a lot of British production, small, you know, productions, and then eventually in all those great hammer horror films of the 60s and 70s. So, you know, a guy like Seamus would be pretty ideal to fit into that Vader suit, uh, based on what I've seen. Uh, you know, if, if we see any screen uh, representation of, of Vader in the suit, um, I, 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 lie like you, I don't think it will be in any of the episodic films, but like you mentioned, it could be in, in a spinoff film. I, for one, would, would, would like to see a Vader spinoff film. I think that would be fantastic. Well, if they do put him as Darth Vader in the film, I hope that he 
you know, grabs a chair and breaks it over somebody's back just because he's from the WWE, <laughs> and then I'll be happy. But anyway, enough about Sheamus. But that's something to keep it. Darth Vader could be in a flashback. That could be something nobody's talking about. Uh, but that's something I guess we'll figure out, and we'll see if Sheamus actually. The fact that Sheamus even commented on it kind of makes it either he is in it, or he, or he was really either. That means he's he's in it and he's playing along, or he's really not in it and he likes to uh, to joke about how people are talking about it. So anyway, speaking of Ireland, WWE guy, come on, he he knows how to play the crowd. Speaking <laughs> speaking of Ireland, it says he was found in Ireland uh, riding a bike. I guess that gives off Darth Vader vibes, but he was riding a bike. And speaking of Ireland, apparently Episode 7 has taken their shooting. Um, at least J.J. Uh, Abrams, Mark Hamill, and Daisy Ridley have been confirmed to be shooting in Skelling, Skellig, Ireland. Um, it says Star Wars celebs arrive as um, as this area prepares for the world's galaxy. Now, um, this was this is from themoviebit.com. It's got pictures. If you go on themoviebit.com and search Star Wars Episode Seven, you will find uh, tons of set pictures. Not necessarily set pictures, but where they're shooting. And uh, um, it looks like they had the base camp on Valent- Valentia Island. Um, and this is a beautiful-looking area in Ireland. Um, so we do know that J.J. Abrams, Mark Hamill, and Daisy Ridley have been confirmed. You can go on the moviebit.com to check out the photos. But um, it looks like they were, they were helicoptered and taken boats um, to these remote island-looking things in the water. They look like private islands almost. And uh, so obviously that, that could mean a lot of different things. Uh, the fact that Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley are shooting together uh, may mean that their, their characters do connect or meet um, and that obviously might mean that Daisy Ridley is a either a person that fights uh, Luke Skywalker or he is on his side, which many people have said Daisy Ridley is a protagonist. So that might confirm that. Um, but you can they said people said you can see an IMAX chopper in these pictures. Uh, you can see the crew. J.J. Abrams was relaxing on a beach in one of the pictures. Um, so you can see that uh, that Star Wars. You can go on the moviebit.com. So to me, well, you know, let's talk about what this thing. Now, there's two islands in one of these pictures, surrounded completely by water. So that either means there might be some sort of jungle type thing or some sort of water type uh, thing, which we've never really seen outside of uh, Naboo when um, uh, Qui Gon and Obi Wan kind of dive in with Jar Jar. Uh, there really hasn't been too much water um, that I really can can remember, like off 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 you know offhand. But shooting has wrapped Camino. up. True. There was a lot of yeah. That's right. They were they were basically yeah, and it was raining all the time. Yes, that's true. But um, it says that as of today, August first, which is when you're listening to this today is August first. Um, that shooting has wrapped up, and Mark Hamill did tweet um yesterday at 8:54 a.m. Ireland, Ireland, you are wonderful. Love the country. Love the people. So, what do you think this means as far as being on these two islands, um, being in Ireland and having water surrounding? Do you think that you know, can we speculate that that might be some sort of planet, I guess? I can tell you what I think that tweet means. Mark Hamill really enjoyed his time in Ireland. I've been there. Those boys know how to drink. Yeah, I'd say he got some uh, some good old Irish <laughs> pub time in, I, I'm imagining. I doubt he had time. They were only there for a couple of days. But, exactly. uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we all, if you don't know, if you've never seen pictures or, or been to Ireland, uh, it's one of the most beautiful places, in my opinion, on the on the old planet Earth. Um, and uh, based on these pictures, from what I see, where they were filming is no exception. Um, I honestly feel, and and I and I hope this is just my hope that, uh, and, and and not only with this location, but the other locations we've we've heard as confirmed, 
uh, for shooting on location. Um, all, all lend themselves to maybe some new planets or, or new environments within the Star Wars universe. Um, you could, you know, compare these uh, landscapes in Ireland to a couple different places we've already seen, like maybe Naboo, maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I'm hoping it's someplace, someplace new and different. But uh, it is pretty cool. Um, now, you know, again, this is one of those things that, could be defined as a spoiler, but you're really not learning anything new. We knew, everybody knows that Mark and Daisy Ridley are both cast in the film. You know, you'd, you'd have to literally hide under a rock to not know that. Um, so, you know, learning that they're on, on set together, whether it be in London or in Ireland or wherever, isn't really lending itself to any legit information about the film or spoiling anything. But it is pretty cool, you know. Uh, Mark's photograph there and so is daisy and this is actually happening and it's happening in a really beautiful part of the world and who knows what it means you know i'm i'm, I'm i can't wait I, I lie awake at night thinking about it well we now have at least confirmed pinewood studios in uh, london we have abu dhabi and now ireland uh, also there's been rumblings of um iceland well, we, we also they we know that they were filming in the uh, forest of dean True, Outside true, yeah. uh, right. Gloucestershire. Easy for Gloucestershire. you to say. Worcestershire sauce. Anyways, right. <laughs> yeah, that's what... Uh, so we've had a forest-type place. Now we have an island in which we never know what actually looks like on the island. It could look like a jungle. It could look like a beach. You know, you never know what planet that could actually look like. We have Iceland, where there have been pictures taken of, uh, like, Chewbacca or something. I forgot what the uh, the official reports were, but there has been Iceland confirmed. There has been Pinewood Studios in London, and there's been Abu Dhabi. So we got desert, we've got ice, we've got a forest, and we looks like we've got a jungle slash island type area. So those are, but the cool thing about it is that means they're moving around. That means they're making these sets. They're going to these beautiful places, much like uh, indoor. When they went to shoot indoor, much like they went to uh, Tunisia to shoot, you know, Tatooine, much like they went. It's kind of gives a very old trilogy type type. Uh, type thing and I, I think that's going to make fans uh, really happy so they have been shooting in Ireland and apparently Seamus Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley have been confirmed JJ is uh, covering it all man he's got all the environments from the original trilogy and then some yeah and that's that's well, the one thing I've seen about reports though is a lot of people are saying look whatever planets you think they're going to be if it's Iceland you know you think it's going to be Hoth if it's Abu Dhabi you think it's going to be Tatooine uh, sure. if it's a forest you think it's going to be indoor basically people are saying like no 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 these aren't these same planets so I guess we'll have to see that could be also one of those things like you said hey look Khan you know was the uh, was the enemy in, in Star Trek but then he wasn't then he was and he wasn't then he was that could be J.J. Right. Abrams being like hey guess what you know Abu Dhabi not Tatooine it was actually uh, Arizona and then like you know they go run with it and you know, so I think everything J.J. Abrams being one of the most brilliant minds in the film industry and period, and then Disney being so secret, uh, all these NDA forms and all of these you know secrecy surrounded by this. I think anything that gets leaked, anything that gets uh, released, to me, I think is somewhat planned. So I think, uh, you know, that that's kind of why I'm looking at all the spoilers and all the pictures and everything is kind of like. J.J. Abrams is going to let you see what he wants you to see, and that's kind of the you way like, I looked at it. You like J.J., don't you there, Ryan? Yeah, I think it's really sad that J.J. <laughs> is not going to direct the next two films, but I kind of hope that he kind of sure. takes a, a Lucas-type role where he is on the set. Maybe he's producing much like, you know, Irvin Kirshner took over Episode Five, and, and so I hope it's kind of like that kind of role where there's a new director, a new writer, but there's J.J. with his vision standing right behind him saying, you know, 
let's do this and let's do this. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, you know, the fact that Ryan Johnson, the director of eight and, um, you know, at least the, the director and writer of eight and at least the writer of nine, uh, was in contention for, uh, Star Trek and I hope Bad Robot, you know, and every, everything kind of, and I think JJ has, I hope his JJ's cause what he's doing to me looks really amazing. So I hope JJ stays in some sort of role with episode eight and nine, but yes, I'm a huge JJ Abrams fan. If you can't tell. Well, much like you, I'm also a fan, and I have tremendous and, and, and unending faith in not only J.J., but, of course, Kathleen Kennedy, who is uh, steering the ship over there at Lucasfilm now, an amazing woman, uh, who, if you don't know anything about her, you need to go to her IMDb profile and prepare to have your mind blown. <laughs> she knows what she's doing, and uh, I, I think uh, every move they've made um, has been exciting and, and not a hint of negativity uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, right. So uh, speaking of Mark Hamill, um, mm. who was in Ireland, um, back about a week ago on July 24th, Guardians of the Galaxy had their London uh, premiere, uh, which is now out in theaters. I think it came out today. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel, and Disney. Um Mark Hamill was at the premiere, and he spoke to BBC, and we're going to play a little bit of that interview, or all about a three-minute interview of Mark Hamill speaking to BBC, where he talks about Episode 7, uh, Daisy Ridley, and his ever-growing uh, beard. Joining me now on the carpet is one of the stars of one of next year's Disney blockbusters, Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill. Now, Mark, you're uh, midway through shooting Star Wars Episode 7. You've not really spoken about it yet so far. Tell me, what was it like... Man, that beard. ...your first scene as Luke Skywalker for the first time in 32 years or something like that. Well, uh, it's certainly unexpected. We had a beginning, a middle, and an end. I never thought we'd come back. I I still can't believe it's happening. And to go on to those sets that evoke so many memories is just astonishing. I have real ties to this country. Uh, My son was born when we were making Empire Strikes Back. He's got two passports. Uh, it just seems like a, a, a gi- un- unexpected gift. Tell me, were you on set when Harrison had his accident? How's he doing? I was not on set. It sounded terrible, but I hear he's doing really well. It'll take more than that to stop Harrison Ford. And great being reunited with him and Carrie, Hannah, Fan- Leia. Fantastic. I mean, again, it's. Uh, I thought even if they did a third trilogy, we wouldn't be involved because it's really about the new generation of characters. Uh, you know, we're just there to uh, lend our support and uh, grow contractually obligated beards. Now, before we finish, let's talk about that new generation of characters. They're going through the same kind of experience that you did way back in the mid-1970s. What have you thought of their performance on set? Have you given them much advice? Oh, these kids. They're not kids, but they're so talented. Uh, I was just overwhelmed. Uh, they're all so diverse. Uh, there's people I recognize, like Andy Serkis, and new people that I'd never seen before, like Daisy Ridley. But they're so good that I'm thinking of asking them for advice. They, they, I don't want to give any myself. And briefly, which one of the original trilogy does this most resemble? Does it have the groundbreaking spectacle of A New Hope, or is it the darkness of Empire, or the sheer joy of Return of the Jedi? And you can't say all three. Oh, well, it really has the spirit of... That, that whole universe, in other words, 
the characters are so relatable. I think that's always the most important thing, because no matter what kind of special effects you have, the audience has to identify with each of the characters. And they've done a great job, uh, JJ and Larry Lawrence Kasdan, in writing a script where you immediately understand who these people are and relate to them. And I think that's the most important thing. Last question, I promise. Very special weekend in the United States, Comic-Con. Uh, I know you love it. You've been going for many years on and off fans, not just of your Star Wars work, all the rest of your work. Have you got a message for everyone at Comic-Con this weekend? Will they see you next year? Well, I hope so. I did do a video to, with Matthew Vaughn for Kingsman Secret Service, which I have a small part in. Uh, it's one of the first cons I've missed in years because I've been the Joker since 1992 in animation. I'm a comic book nerd myself, so I miss all you guys, and hopefully I'll be back next year. Mark Hamill, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. I hope the rest of the Star Wars shoot goes well. Thanks so much. All right, so that was Mark Hamill speaking at the Gardens of Guardians of the Galaxy London premiere back on July 24th. Now, first takeaway from that is Mark Hamill is amazing. Now, this guy isn't Harrison Ford, where he's like all the time, where he's like, <laughs> he's not, he's not Carrie Fisher, where it's everything's a satirical, you know, joke, where you're like, so Carrie, how's Episode Seven doing? And she's like, fart. You know, it's not like, right. it's not, it's not that. Mark Hamill, you can tell he really loves Star Wars. He's embraced it. Um, he, you know, you can tell that he really likes the, uh, the fans. He's not, you know, he's not like, oh, you nerds. And, you know, the guy, the guy is really awesome. Uh, his beard, if you, you can go on the video, you can go to bbc.com, uh, slash news slash entertainment, and you can find, uh, the video. He's, uh, he's really awesome. Uh, in this video, he re he looks, he looks like a Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ben Kenobi, Episode Four type beard. It's gotten really thick. He also looks really old. Yeah. He looks old, like he looks to me the oldest Mark Hamill's ever looked. Right there, it's he's got his hair grown out um, almost to the length of uh, what he had in A New Hope. Uh, he's got it feathered. Uh, he's got it. He's looking very uh, wise. Uh, he's looking like his character probably isn't captured. Uh, now, obviously, this is just without any set makeup or anything. He's obviously just you know, in a leather jacket and a t-shirt at the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, premiere. But I think, to me, he seems in really high spirits. He seems really excited about it. Uh, he did the professional answer where he asked him which film it uh, it mirrors, and he answered the question without answering the question. Uh, he did mention about how it's about the new generation and we're just kind of there to help, which kind of may lean to uh, what their roles are going to be in this film, the original characters. So I really do like uh, this interview. I, he gave away some stuff without giving away too much. And overall, you know, it just kind of shows, you know, I, I really love Mark Hamill. I think he's an awesome guy. And I think you can kind of tell his excitement for the film. It kind of, uh, his speaking of the characters seems genuine. And I think this film is going to be really awesome. And I think uh, Mark Hamill uh, is definitely a great ambassador to represent Star Wars. Yeah, it's a great interview. And I really like uh, BBC's Lizo Mazimba. I, I, I hope I didn't butcher that name too much. Really excited, obviously. Uh of course, they do reporting and interviews a little different there in, uh, in England than they do over here in the States. Uh, but, man, Mark is, is a guy who is always on. Of course, you know Ryan. Uh, I don't know if our listeners are aware, but I've, I haven't met him, but I've seen Mark in person uh, several times now, uh, both at Star Wars Celebration 6 right here in Orlando and then again at Star Wars Weekends this year uh, at, at Walt Disney World, which I live right down the street from. Uh, and he, he, yeah, that beard is looking great. He does look like a wizened old Jedi. You know, he's, he, I don't know if you realize this, um, 
And I didn't even know this until I heard him talk about it at Star Wars Weekends on stage uh, while he was being interviewed by James Arnold Taylor. I didn't know that presently Mark, at the age of 62, is the same exact age as as, um, Sir Alec Guinness was when they filmed Episode 4, A New Hope, back in 76. Wow, I did not know that. I thought that was really, really cool. And, you know, when Mark remarked on that, he thought it was cool, too. And, you know, he says in this interview, uh, he's a comic nerd himself, and he's not lying. I've heard some really in-depth interviews with him, uh, and I've read some great stuff. And he's always worn it on his sleeve. He's a fanboy at heart. Um, He loves everything about comic books and sci-fi and fantasy. He's worked in those those, movies. venues and those uh types of films and projects for a long time um it, it's great to see a guy like mark uh getting the the, the kind of attention and, and spotlight that that uh a lot of actors his age that have kind of had their time to shine don't get because he is um he's very uh young spirited and um He's just a great ambassador for Star Wars altogether. And, and to Star Wars diehard fans, he's never really gone away. A lot of people, you know, all of a sudden seeing him around now kind of assume that, oh, man, this old wash-up has been out-of-work guy. He's finally getting some attention. That's really not the case because if you know anything about Mark Hamill, the man has never stopped working. He's had an illustrious career in, in, in voiceover uh, as well, you know, in animation uh, video games. Um, I'm a huge Mark Hamill fan. I could go on about Mark forever. He's one of my all-time favorites. Um, and I'm just really excited to see him making the rounds and at this premiere, that premiere. And he was great, great at Star Wars Weekends. And uh, we could talk about that another time. But, yeah, this is a great interview, and that beard is, is awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, so go check it out, bbc.com. You can see the interview of Mark Hamill uh, with BBC at the Guardians of Galaxy London premiere. Now, um, speaking of you know what Mark Hamill talked about, this movie being very uh, original trilogy feeling, J.J. Abrams doing a great job, uh, the new characters uh, really killing it, very talented, young, you know, much like uh, Harrison, uh, Carrie, and Mark were back in the day. They were unknown, but they did a great job. Um, speaking of that, a, a famous filmmaker, writer, uh, director, whatever you want to call him, Kevin Smith, um, recently... Yeah, now Daniel's a huge Kevin Smith fan, and oh, we will man. one day on DorksideOfTheForce.com we will have a Mark and Kevin cast where Daniel takes the mic and just talks about his heroes for like three hours. But uh, you can <laughs> you can look for that coming soon. But um, Kevin Smith, and if you haven't heard now, um, the filmmaker visited the Episode Seven set when they were at Pinewood Studios in London. Um, he's talked about it in like eighteen different places now. But CinemaBlend.com has the video of him at Comic Con where he was promoting his new film uh, Tusk. Uh, he talked about the Star Wars Episode Seven set, which is awesome that even though he was there to promote his movie, he wasn't afraid to talk about Star Wars, which should show how much he really enjoyed the set. It's a 19-minute video where the guy cusses up a storm, but uh, we will censor some of it, and we will only play a small portion of the interview for you. But this is Kevin Smith at San Diego Comic-Con uh, promoting his new film, Tusk, talking about the Star Wars Episode Seven visit that he made in Pinewood Studios. Yeah, before we roll this clip, Ryan, I'd like to set it up a little bit because as with most Kevin Smith stories, as great as they are, they tend to be a little long-winded. 
so in order to save some time and show you, you know, play you guys some audio, less audio than uh, than you need, at this point in the story, Kevin has already told um, how he w- came about to be invited to the set by J.J. Abrams himself. Uh, he was in London at the time, so he goes to the set, gets through security, he meets up with J.J., J.J. shows him around, and then J.J. turns Kevin over to one of his assistant directors, or ADs, as they call him in the biz. So this AD escorts Kevin to uh, set M, quote-unquote. Now, again, if you're if you're listening and you haven't, you know, don't want spoilers, then this is a spoiler alert. Uh, some of the revealed uh, set-revealed photos that we mentioned earlier uh, blatantly showed the Millennium Falcon being built. So it's out there, so Kevin felt at this point that he could discuss it a little bit. So set M is, is clearly for the Millennium Falcon. So at this point in the story, Kevin's talking about the assistant director taking him to set M. He gets in there, it's all dark. And he sees something in there, and the assistant director asks him if he'd like the lights on. And at that point, Kevin says, yeah, man, turn on the lights. And that's where we begin this clip. And he turns on the lights. And it's not just the lights, you know, on the stage. All of a sudden, I see a giant set. And what's the lights he means? The lights inside of what looks like from the outside, the Millennium Falcon. Now, it's on a movie stage, so from the outside, it doesn't look like the Falcon as we know it in the movies, but the shape of it and shit like that, I see these, the, the doors, the opening doorway, the landing, the door platform walks up onto the, on, onto the Millennium Falcon. I see it, so I'm like, oh shit, that must be the Millennium Falcon. I read online that people have taken pictures of it being built, and here it is and stuff. So I'm looking at it going, that's real cool. And Morgan goes, do you want to walk on it? And I go, oh, fuck, yeah, absolutely. What a, what a kick that'd be, man. Like, I ain't baked. I wish I was, because this would be amazing. You know, because I used to love Star Wars when I was a kid, and here I am on the set, and this is cool, and fuck, I never thought I'd be here, man. So fucking, let's go walking on the fucking set, and I'm going to step onto the Millennium Falcon. And everything is still clinical, and everything is still right here. It's all in the head. And then I take one step on that platform. That same platform that when I was a kid, I had a small version of this fucking shit. That was like my best friend in the world. I slept with it and hugged it because it was like a $35 toy. My parents were like, you better fucking love that. And I loved it, particularly in my teenage years. But um, <laughs> the Wookiee did not win, I assure you. Um, so I, there it is, man. I had that Millennium Falcon as a kid. And many times I walked my figures up the platform and stuff, closed the platform, picked it up and sailed it through my house and whatnot, made my own version of a Star Wars movie, probably like a Kevin Smith movie, nothing happened, they just talked to each other a lot. <laughs> but still, I had my own adventures and shit like that. So, I've stepped, first step on this, on the landing platform, the walk path, walk path, fuck, I can't even say, pathway, what do you, what would you call it? Ramp. <laughs> Apparently I smoked ramp away. Um, <laughs> It was worth it. Anyway, um, so there I am, uh, first step on the ramp. And I swear to God, you know, I'm 43 years old in about a month or so, less than a month, I'm going to be 44. With my first step, my 40s disappeared. And then with my next step, I was deep into my early 30s and shit. And suddenly cop-out disappeared. What a better world it was. And I took another step and I was in my 20s, circuit clerks and shit. When I first got into filmmaking, I was like, oh yeah, this could be cool. And I'll never make Star Wars, but like, I could make a movie too and blah, blah, blah. 
And then the next step I take, man, I'm out of my 20s. I'm in my teenage years where, you know, I put Star Wars behind me because I'm like, you don't get pussy if you like Jedi's and shit like that. Now you can, but when I was a kid, no. And then one more step, ladies and gentlemen, on the ramp of the Millennium Falcon, and I was seven years old again. Fat little Kevin Smith, seven years old, watching a movie called Star Wars and falling in love, starting a lifelong love affair that triggered my imagination. I played with my Star Wars figures endlessly. I had a kid across the street, Pete King, who had come down from Brooklyn. He had even better Star Wars toys than me. We combined our two. We had a massive universe. We would sit there and make our adventures together and whatnot, always featuring Boba Fett as the lead. Fuck everybody else. And there I was, man. All that shit was gone. Like, who I am, what I do for a living, the fact that, like, I know how the sausage is made, and all that bullshit that one tells themselves, you know, as they do something year after year after year, and it goes from being your dream to your job to your career and back and sometimes like that. All of it was gone. Everything stripped away, and I stood there feeling like a fucking kid, and I promise you, this is a true story, I swear to God, I was hit with a gut punch of emotion and you know my gut's big so the punch was massive and i started crying i just welled up my eyes got glassy and i just got emotional and i just started crying not in a blubbery like <laughs> way but but in a really like like breathless you know absolutely could not believe what i was doing fuck the fact that i was like oh i'm standing on a set of the millennium falcon i was on the millennium falcon and it was so emotional i started crying and morgan standing next to me as assistant and this poor girl's looking at me like, awkward. <laughs> this fat man's having a midlife crisis on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> and, you know, she sees me well enough, and she's like, aww. And I was like, sorry. And she's like, most people get excited when they see it. And I was like, this is beyond excitement. You know, and I went, whole walk back to the set, because we went back to the set. I'm talking to her, and I was just like, you don't understand, man. Like, I was seven years old. I fell in love with Star Wars. That's my first love. Um, we get to the set, I give JJ the world's biggest fucking hug, and I thanked him from the bottom of my heart, because I was just like, you gave me that opportunity to do that, to dial back my clock, you made me believe in movie magic again, you literally built the Millennium Falcon, dude, you're doing it, you are building the field of dreams, and if JJ builds it, we're all gonna come. Man, that's, that's a great, ugh, man, that, that just kills me, I love it so much. So, yeah, that was Kevin Smith at Comic-Con promoting his new movie, Tusk, um, talking about his visit to Star Wars Episode Seven, and that was really awesome. Uh, you can kind of tell that that goes along with what uh, Mark Hamill said in that BBC interview about this film really kind of kind of gets it, kind of gets the uh, kind of gets the blood boiling, kind of gets the uh, the feel of the old film. So I really like that, and uh, and that's kind of Kevin Smith being Kevin Smith talking about um, talking about the uh, the Millennium Falcon, and you can kind of tell this film is really going to go back to Star Wars heritage, and it's really, you know, and I love the prequels, and I will go to the bat for the prequels all the time, but you can kind of tell J.J. has really, really understood that, you know, the majority of the fans really miss the practical sets and the practical things like that, and uh, so I think that's uh, I think that's kind of the vibe that J.J. is giving off, and with Kevin Smith's visit, you can kind of tell, you know what, they're they're doing this movie much like the old movies, and, and I think it's going to be really awesome. If Kevin Smith is able to you know, talk about it while he's promoting his own movie, that kind of shows what kind of impact it had on him. Yeah, absolutely. And Kevin's one of those guys, of course, uh, you know, he's kind of a polarizing guy. A lot of people don't dig him. Um, a lot of people, some people really love him, like me, and even more people than that are really not familiar with him at all. But I can tell you this, as, a, as an avid Smith fan and follower, he is a true 
fan. I saw him talk about Star Wars at Celebration 6 in Orlando again. Um, and he, he wears it on his sleeve, man. And, uh, yeah, for him to come come so passionately forward and, and speak about this, uh, you know, multiple times, this is not the first time that he's told this story on stage. Um, it, it's To me, it speaks volumes. For a true fan like him, who, like, he makes a point of saying, you know, I'm a filmmaker, and, and a lot of the process of filmmaking is, is lost on me at this point because I'm, he's kind of become immune to it all. The magic is gone. You know, he's seen behind the curtain, or as, in his own words, how the sausage is made. But for him to have come away from that, just walking onto that set and, and then wanting to give J.J. the world's biggest hug, as he says. And, uh, you know, I get a little misty-eyed just hearing him tell the story. And it's, uh, you know, I think things like this uh, can, can, if fans really want to just chill and get excited uh, and, and not worry about where the saga is going, you know, like I was saying, I know Smith pretty well uh, as far as, you know, from watching his films and listening to his podcasts and stuff. And this is a good sign. This is a very, very good sign that J.J. is doing the right thing. He's moving in the right direction. And, uh, yeah, I think Smith is right, man. All of us diehard fans, especially the original trilogy, when we see this new movie, man, we're, we're just going to explode with happiness. It's going to be fantastic. And Smith's comments kind of make me uh, back my idea that this film has a chance to hit the $2 billion mark, if not the $1.5 billion mark, just because um, guys like Kevin Smith, guys like uh, that think like that may go see it. You know, Everybody you can pretty much pencil in to see it more than once, and that doesn't always happen with every movie. So uh, Also, which this isn't talked about a lot either, this is not Star Wars related, but Kevin Smith... Um, is a noted film director and writer. And uh, one of the films, which I, I thought this was interesting, I was talking to my buddy the other day about Kevin Smith, and he said, you know he wrote that uh, weirdo Superman movie that didn't get made in the 90s. And uh, right. and it was called um, Superman Lives or whatever it was. And uh, right. and it was Nicolas Cage, and this Chris Rock was going to be uh, in it. And uh, it was just a really strange, like reading the script, it was a really strange movie with like faraway islands and unicorns and I mean there wasn't unicorns but it was like a really it was a really strange movie the movie never got made it was in the 90s anyways uh, there's been a kick there was a a kickstarter campaign to get a documentary about that movie and why it was never made and really what happened and they did raise enough money and you can go on YouTube right now and search of the death of Superman lives and you can see a trailer for the documentary uh, that was raised by Kickstarter where they kind of go into this weird Nicolas Cage Superman movie that Kevin Smith wrote. So Kevin Smith fans who are fans of his work, you can see that trailer on YouTube now. But that was kind of Kevin Smith, which that's kind of made its way around the news cycle enough. But we wanted to touch on uh, really what this movie is going to be about. But speaking of uh, Mark well, Hamilton... Go ahead. I'm sorry, just real quick. Uh, you, you know, that's interesting. I didn't even know that, uh, that that Kickstarter was out there. I think I'd heard rumors. But uh, yeah, Kevin you know, did write a script. I, I guess it's the one that's related to that. But if you go back and look, listen to his old stories of talking about that at uh, various cons and stuff, a lot of the stuff that he was asked to write, uh, was sort of done. You know, he was pretty much told to write that stuff. So before you start thinking about, Oh, Kevin Smith wrote a weird Superman movie. He probably would have written one weird, a weird one anyway, but yeah, there's some pretty interesting, uh, stories he tells about that whole well, process. that specific movie was a Tim Burton movie, so I, it doesn't matter, you know, I could have wrote that movie and it would have been strange, so right. I, I, so that's kind of, you know, go, it's just interesting for Kevin Smith fans, I don't know if he makes an appearance on the documentary or not, uh, I haven't even seen the trailer, 
But my buddy was just like, hey, you know, they, you know that weirdo Superman film with Nicolas Cage in the weird-looking Superman suit? They've got a movie coming out. So you can go on YouTube and search The Death of Superman Lives and check that out. But, you know, Mark Hamill and Kevin Smith both kind of said, look, this goes back to the original trilogy, the characters and that kind of stuff. Speaking of that, um, the original character that's got the most newsworthy uh, headlines has been Harrison Ford. And if you haven't heard about his ankle, his leg, his knee, his whatever it ends up being, you know, obviously it ended up being the ankle. Um it got crushed on the set of Episode 7, rumored to be uh, on the Millennium Falcon set. Uh, door kind of smashed on his ankle. It got crushed. The original, you know, the, the world went crazy. It was, it was he's going to be out for eight weeks. It's, you know, he's going to have surgery. He's going to recover in the U.S. He's going to be out for six months. You know, J.J. and Kathleen want to de- uh, delay it. Uh, Disney doesn't doesn't want to delay it. Yada yada yada. Any and anyways, Disney ended up announcing they're pushing the production back two weeks just to kind of give everybody a break and kind of get you know kind of get reset on the whole thing. So you know the release date's not going to be moved back. Harrison Ford was pictured then earlier uh, when he was in London still when there was rumors about him going back six months. He was at a restaurant. He came out and he had this peg leg looking thing with his friends and his friends were like, "Here, let us help you down the stairs." And he was like, "I'm gonna go downstairs myself." <laughs> And uh, so then that kind of shut those rumors down about the six-month thing. You know, he looked in high spirits, and he, his publicist said, no, he's coming back to work as soon as possible. Well, now the New York Daily News has pictures of Harrison, who flew his own helicopter um, in uh, Santa, Monica, Santa Monica, California on Monday um, without a cast. He was he had no crutches, no anything, just a simple wrapped-up ankle. He was walking. Uh, so that kind of shows that, look, Harrison Ford – you know, could go back to London very soon and shoot scenes at least where there's no action, there's no running. Uh, you could easily, you know, do walking scenes, talking scenes. He doesn't need to have any visible crutches. So Harrison Ford looks to be on track, and we'll get to Daniel's thought on that in a minute. But uh, TMZ, like they always do, uh, went full force on getting Harrison Ford and his tiny shorts uh, on camera and to talk about his ankle. And he's walking in this video. You can go to TMZ.com, find Harrison Ford's ankle recovery video where he's walking on the streets of California. Uh, looking like anybody that talks to him, he's going to rip their head off. Um, and in this video, we'll play it for you. It's just a 40-second clip of some guy being like, oh, Harrison, Mr. Harrison. But uh, we'll play it for you a second, and we'll talk about Harrison Ford and what his ankle recovery means for this film. And now we see Harrison walking down uh, with some really, really tiny shorts. On, uh, on the sidewalk, so those of you who watch the video will know what I'm talking about. Morning, Mr. Ford. How's your ankle doing, sir? You think you're going to be going back to work soon, or? Alright, thank you, sir. Opening spoiler of your day. Hope, <laughs> hope I didn't spoil your day. So that was a a uh, guy with a video camera talking to Harrison Ford. Uh, he ventured out. He was pretty good and pretty soon. He was. This was yesterday. He was at Starbucks in Santa Monica with a slight limp, but it really wasn't really much of a limp. Uh, and he just he was just walking very slowly and uh, and so he said that uh, he will uh, try to get back to work soon. And and that's kind of that that. So that's that's a good sign. Harrison Ford looking to be in good spirits, looking to be walking fine, and looking to be recovered. Like if you would have asked me if that's Harrison Ford after surgery, I would have said no. That's just Harrison Ford and his grumpy self walking from Starbucks. So 
uh, it's good to see the Harrison Ford's back, and I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of um, maybe weeks we hear that Harrison Ford's back at Pinewood Studios, and, and he could have been taking this time in Santa Monica while they went to Ireland to shoot on those islands with uh, Daisy Ridley and Mark Hamill. So that could be he could be meeting up in London when they meet up in London very easily. Yeah, that's I love these TMZ guys, man. They just appear out of nowhere. <laughs> They're very polite, though. Mr. Ford. Yeah, very polite. I love Ford's response. Hey, very good and very soon. Exactly, yeah. So, I... <laughs> so that was Harrison Ford, and that's an update on the famous broken ankle. I think RebelForceRadio.com is calling it Ankle Gate uh, 2014. Ow. So. Right. Uh, so that's pretty funny, and uh, so that's that's an update on Harrison Ford. There's not much else to say, but if, if you hear that Harrison Ford's back in London in the next week or, or two weeks, which apparently he might just fly his own helicopter over there since the guy's a pilot, you know, that doesn't the surprise me. The man is an expendable, for yeah. God's sake. That guy is a beast, which uh, it stinks for the expendables. Did you hear about the expendables 3 leaking online last night and over like 2 million downloads happened, and it's like Blu-ray quality? Two million people want to see Expendables three. That's I haven't seen Expendables one. I haven't seen Expendables two, and I have not seen Expendables three. But I did hear that it leaked online last night, which really sucks for uh, Sylvester Stallone, which I don't like anyways. But this is off topic. But that was pretty interesting that Expendables three is leaked online. So I'm sure if you Google it and you want to see Expendables three without paying for it in Blu-ray quality, go Google it online. Uh, it's available for download apparently. So. If you, if, if, this is my Ralph Garman's impression. If you if you if you download the movie, you're greedy lazy. <laughs> yeah, my my Sylvester Stallone is usually like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that's so. Don't, go download Sylvester Stallone's movie if you really want to. You want to see Harrison Ford, uh, be Harrison Ford. But anyways, um, that's it for basically all the Star Wars Episode Seven news and Star Wars news, and we'll get into more as more episodes go on. But if you want to keep up with uh, Star Wars news. Really easily, we have a great option for you guys. Now, DorkSideOfTheForce.com is a member of the Fansided Network. Fansided is a member of Sports Illustrated Sites. Uh, you can go on an Apple App Store or Google Play Store for Android and download the Fansided Sports and Entertainment app. Now, what's cool about this app is not only can you can you read all of Daniel and I's stories on DorkSideOfTheForce.com, but if you are a member of... Uh, or a, a fan of a sports team, or if you like other entertainment sites like Marvel Superheroes, uh, Spider-Man has a site completely dedicated to him, Game of Thrones, Winter WinterIsComing.net is part of the fan sided network as well. Uh, also, if you are a giant sports fan, uh, I am a huge NBA fan. I cover the Hawks. I read my stuff, and I read other people's stuff on the fan sided app. The cool thing about the fan sided sports and entertainment app is that you can set your favorites and have those favorites send you notifications. So you could be sitting at home, and all of a sudden Harrison Ford pictures could be released of him getting out of his helicopter, and all of a sudden your phone will vibrate after Daniel and I write a story on dorksideoftheforce.com. You can slide it down click on that and you can read it so you don't have to search twitter you don't have to you could just be sitting at dinner or whatever else and if you're a fan of a sports team uh hockey nba nfl mlb uh olympics anything you can think of uh with all the coverage across the fan-sided network you can get it specifically tailored to you the fan-sided sports entertainment app is also available for ipad so if you have a tablet you can you can definitely check out that so you can definitely subscribe to dorksideoftheforce.com on there when a new podcast is released podcast 66 you can even listen to it on the fan-sided sports app it's a really cool app it's free uh who doesn't like free and you can definitely read everything on there and uh it's really awesome so you can check it out on the google play store or the apple app store uh we will have a link on this this uh, show notes page on dorksideoftheforce.com. The fan-sided sports entertainment app has been recently redone, and we highly suggest it. Um, 
But I tell you, my mom has got an iPad, and I was looking at the fan sided app on that thing the other day, and it looked beautiful oh, i mean, I mean it was a great app it's definitely one of the cooler apps out there you can you can read and it's kind of cool because you can just scan it if you're sitting there reading dorks out of the force.com and you want to know the latest about the new season of game of thrones coming out next year you can simply slide over click on game of thrones and all of a sudden this whole feed of game of thrones it's almost like a twitter account but it's just got links and pictures and and it's really cool so download the fan site app today we highly recommend it and that way you can keep up with podcast 66 and dorks out of the force.com because every no you never want to miss star wars news and that's really important uh but anyway so we've We've rolled down the news app. We'll have a lot more news part of the uh, the uh, podcast, I should say, and we'll have a lot more segments and cool things like that. But I wanted to get into a new segment that we are going to do, um, and this is just going to be about a five-minute segment today. We're not going to get too deep into it just because we want to kind of make this thing a little bit shorter and kind of wrap it down. But uh, I was recently i've not been big in the expanded universe um it's not something i've ever you know i i was born in 93 there was vhs's that came out six years later movies came out so the expanded universe really wasn't important to me because I, I was always consuming things and the clone wars come out so I, I really wasn't caring too much about the expanded universe but recently as i wait for star wars episode 7 to be released i downloaded an audiobook of timothy zahn's heir to the empire and i was listening to it and i was just mesmerized because now it's been considered legends it's not part of the canon so uh you know, it really doesn't have anything to do with the story, but it's really interesting to listen to. But I, I'm going to introduce us into um, our new uh, segment called Expanded Universe Talk. Um, and Daniel is a guy who's who's kind of dabbled in the Expanded Universe, and he'll talk about it. But uh, let's go ahead and play our fancy little sound for Expanded Universe Talk. That's good. You've taken your first step into a larger world. All right. So, nice. so I was listening nice. to uh, I was listening to. Um, Heir to the Empire, and, and it was mentioning Luke, who was very troubled, and uh, he was he was sitting in uh, in Coruscant, and he it mentions how the uh, Republic used to be in Coruscant, and that struck me because I imagine the expanded universe well, before I even read anything about it before I even knew anything I imagined it just a bunch of stories that people created and they kind of ran with things you know Jedi Academy Luke had kids yada yada there was all kinds of stories that I just thought you know were these authors making up but when I heard that in 91 this book was released and they were talking about Coruscant being the home of the Republic when Coruscant didn't make any appearances in the original trilogy yet then you know eight years later there's Coruscant in the film as canon that George Lucas made so I was really confused and I, I remember texting him and being like what on earth is going on how did they know about Coruscant so I kind of wanted just to it's the first segment of, of expanded universe talk EU talk I wanted Daniel to kind of preface you know kind of basically how the expanded universe was you know, able to get information like that, it ended up being canon. Well, I'm going to have to defer to the listeners on this, and I'd like to hear some feedback because, uh, you know, I, 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 when you brought this up to me earlier, I presumed that I remembered exactly how Timothy Zahn, uh, you know, knew to, to, to draw upon that locale in his book, of course, being Coruscant and Imperial City. I do recall that Ralph McQuarrie had done some concept art for the Imperial Palace um, and I Imperial City and Coruscant and all that um, for the for the original films. Um, and I know that George himself was a little more hands-on with the initial expansion of the Star Wars story into the expanded universe in the early 90s. Of course, Heir to the Empire being the first official novel in that uh, expanded universe back in 91. I'm sure George was uh, a valued resource for Timothy 
during that period of time in which he was writing that story. So, you know, I'm sure he had access to, you know, the man himself and to, you know, resources that were close to George. It is interesting, though, uh, especially for someone such as yourself, Ryan, who probably grew up with the prequels, just, oh, yeah, Coruscant. Yeah, I know what that is. That's right. the heart of the Republic. And then all of a sudden to go back and and, and hear a book uh, read to you from, God, it's been like 20 years, over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And, and wait, Coruscant? How did they know about Coruscant? It's a, it's a really, uh, it's a really strange, uh, you know, a revelation. Sure. Um, I remember when reading it when I was a kid, you know, everything seemed like it was just an extend, ex, extend, uh, or a continuation of, of the saga, you know, whether it was a comic book or a novel or a toy or a video game, you know, there we had Coruscant. So by the time the prequels were all around, of course, I sort of took it for granted. It's like, oh, yeah, duh, Coruscant. But, um, yeah, you know, that Heir to the Empire sort of was the first official piece of Star Wars lore that I know of. Um, I'd be interested to, to uh, well, I mean, like as I was saying, that I know of that, that introduced Coruscant, I'd be interested to, to know if any of the original novelizations from the original films made reference to Coruscant. Because I'm sitting here racking my brain and I can't think of a single moment or a single bit of dialogue in the original trilogy that even mentions Coruscant. Yeah, this I, is a if you were to watch the great, films originally, I don't think person. you you didn't even know Coruscant existed. I would imagine. I know later on they added the Coruscant celebration uh, with the Return of the Jedi after the Empire, you know, fell. But I just it just shocked me because I was listening and I, and I you know the cool thing about Star Wars is like when I was watching it as a kid before the prequels are out. I was like really fascinated. You know, you you create your own backstories for these characters. You know, Obi Wan. You're like, man, that Obi Wan guy. What did he do before? You kind of had your thoughts in your head, but then you watch the prequels, and then you go back and you watch. I watched the. I can remember watching the original trilogy again on uh, DVD, and I was listening to it. And uh, Luke and Ben Kenobi are sitting in the in the uh, in the in his little hut, and he's like, "My father fought in the Clone Wars," and I like fell over and like passed out. I'm like, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Episode four mentioned the Clone Wars, like you know, right. ye- twenty, thirty years before the film even came out. So George had this planned out before, like when you're a kid and you before you watch the prequels, you didn't know, you know that that part didn't stick out to you because you know you're like, well, what are the Clone Wars? But then right. to go watch the prequels and watch it again and be like, so this movie thirty years later, George knew what he was doing. You know, George had then I can remember watching and and um and um uh. Darth Vader's talking to some people in the, in the Imperial ship. I, I can't remember exactly who, and he's talking about how, um, you know, the Imperial Senate is all now but gone, and any traces of the old Republic is now gone. And I'm like, whoa, he's mentioned the Republic? You know, this is crazy. And I'm like, how did George have this prequel? So it kind of really shows how big the Star Wars universe is and how long it's kind of been planned out with original scripts and original thoughts and all these things that George had even since the 70s that were referenced later in films and it's kind of like he was able to mention the Clone Wars shortly in episode 4 and a whole film about it and a whole TV series about it 25 years later. I think it's pretty awesome and uh, I definitely thought that you know listening to Coruscant in that was pretty cool and we'll get more into the Expanded Universe and we'll find and uh, if you know a lot about the Expanded Universe if you want to talk to us about it um Send us an email, and we'll get to our contact later. But that's enough of the EU uh, EU yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like I mentioned, Ryan, it would be great if one of the listeners could email us and let us know right. so, what is the earliest mention of Coruscant. Was it Ralph's 
uh, artwork? Was it in the original novelizations? Uh, was it mentioned in an interview somewhere? I mean, how did Timothy Zahn know that Coruscant was the heart of the Republic? That was the name of the planet. That was where the Empire made its home. I, or the Republic before that. Right. Uh, very interesting. Great question. Yeah, so that's something that's EU talk. We'll kind of talk about maybe once every episode, a little bit about the EU, because it's interesting now, because go back and read, go back and listen on audiobook, and kind of really look at the Expanded Universe, and it, I think it'll interest you for someone like me who never even you know touched it. I played the Jedi Academy game for Xbox, but other than that, I didn't, you know, other than that, yeah. I didn't really touch, you know, uh, the expanded universe. So it's very interesting for those of you who don't. I recommend reading it. For those who do, we're going to get to our email and our Twitter now. Um, at the end, we are part of the Fan Sided Network, which is owned by Sports Illustrated. Fan Sided. Uh, the first word is fan. We're not. You know, we have a podcast. We write for DorkSideOfTheForce.com, but we're fans, just like you listening. And the cool thing about that is we want to really integrate you. This is not our podcast. This is you know me and Daniel and I. This is everybody's podcast. If you want to be part of it. Email us at 66podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's 66podcast at gmail.com. That's one six, that's, or I'm sorry, that's 66podcast at gmail.com. And email us and let us know, Do you have, what do you know about the Expanded Universe? Where did Coruscant come up? If you email us, we'll read your email on the air. If you know enough, we'll even Skype and you can talk to us about it on the next episode of Podcast 66. And that's what I wanted to talk about, our fan part of the podcast is um, at the end of every podcast we're going to give you a fan question we're going to give you a topic that we want you to email us about you can also follow us on twitter at podcast 66 that podcast 66 you can follow us on on twitter tweet us follow us we haven't even tweeted yet so we only have like two followers so follow us on twitter at podcast 66 from there you can find daniel and i's twitter and we can talk and we can interact and we want to have you guys on the show we want to have you guys your your emails read we want to be very fan interaction because that's what fan sided is all about now today's question is daniel was on twitter speaking of twitter and he was saying uh you know right around the eve of phineas and ferb star wars special on disney channel was about to air he was replying to people and talking to people about how they were all about disney ruining star wars and uh you know with specials like phineas and ferb and all that kind of stuff and we want to know do you think disney is ruining star wars do you think phineas and the ferb special do you think also for those of you who don't know my wife and i will have disney channel on the TV, and there was a commercial the other day for a Disney XD show called Kickin' It. It's about a, I've never watched it, but it's a, some sort of kung fu show. Anyways, they have been showing trailers. They are set to have a Star Wars special where some of the ninjas actually have a lightsaber and they fight stormtroopers. So look for, uh, yeah, Disney awesome. XD. Disney XD, uh, kicking it is the show. Uh, kind of YouTube the trailer. I'm not. I, I sorry, I can't get a release date for you, but we'll tweet out the release date of Disney XD's kicking it. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, it, it, so stuff like that is Disney ruining it by putting their stamp on it. Send us an email. Uh, let us know what you think about that. Send us an email about the expanded universe, about Coruscant. If your if your story or or your information is interesting enough, we'll Skype you. We'll have you on the show. You'll you'll get you know five minutes to talk about it. You'll get to talk on the podcast. If not, we'll just read your email and we'll let you know and we'll thank you for it. Follow us on Twitter. Soon we'll have giveaways. You never know, you know. So just kind of really do fan, fan, uh, fan sided fan interaction. We're all about that. But I want to talk about Disney ruining Star Wars right before we close up. We got about five more minutes. Um, to me, I think Disney or Disney. I think Star Wars has always been about kids in a way, because when you were when you liked Star Wars, were you an adult when you first started liking Star Wars? For some of you probably, but for most of you like me and like Daniel and like Kevin Smith and like others, you were a kid. And that's kind of where Star Wars really tugs that kid at your heart because there have been there's like 55 year old men sitting in the theater wearing a robe 
and and then they get mad because they make a Phineas and Ferb special. It's like, come on, dude, you're you're dressed up like a Wookiee at a Comic Con thing, and you're mad that they're making. You know, it's it tugs at the kid at your heart. The 55 year old uh, businessman that wears a suit every day to work go puts on a Wookiee costume and goes to Comic Con. And I don't think Disney's ruining. And I would ask you one more thing: When Disney bought Marvel, has Disney ruined Marvel? Because if you ask me, I don't think Marvel's ever been more popular. I don't think Marvel's ever put out more quality movies than they have now. You know, Spider-Man 1 that came out with Tobey Maguire falls, fails in comparison way big to the Avengers. So it's like what Disney's done, what Disney's given the resources, they've bought it, they back it, they uh, promote it, they've got Disney's money, they've got Disney Studios name on it. But other than that, they let Lucasfilm, they let Marvel, they let them run it. So anything that maybe airs Phineas and Ferb special, Lucasfilm had something to do with it. And I think that's, before you start running on, think of uh, Jar Jar Binks. Think of the holiday special. Think of those VHS movies with the droids that came out that I still have somewhere in my closet. Think about all those, you know, cartoons and, and, and the Ewoks and the Ewok movies. And, and think about that. And I think, you know, let me know what you think about Disney, or let us know what you think about Disney and the new show Rebels and is Disney ruining Star Wars in your opinion. And we'll have you on the show. We'll read your email. So, Daniel, you know, we'll let you talk about that. Yeah, that'd be great. We love to hear from you guys uh this is this is the first step into uh as obi-wan said a few minutes ago a, a larger world this is going to be a great time with me and ryan and we hope that you guys enjoy it we want you guys to be part of the show we want you guys to write in and and send us thoughts and feedback and you know we're gonna have things like fan questions you know this is a great, great topic that i think a lot of us would love to talk about and discuss, you know, and it's understandable uh, that a lot of fans are concerned after the the uh, purchase of Disney, uh, the purchase <laughs> Disney purchasing Lucasfilm, of course. Um, you know, a, a lot of fans are concerned. Oh, you know, how's Disney going to handle it? You know, and I, I personally feel, you know, if if any company, if any film production company had had purchased Lucasfilm. Uh, there'd be concerns. Uh, personally, um, I, I think Disney's well-suited, better suited than any other company on earth. Um, they know how to handle their own product, and they've had a long-standing partnership with Lucasfilm, and we see things like Star Tours and Star Wars Weekends uh, in the past that uh, you know just speak volumes to how much Disney really cares about uh, the legacy of Star Wars. And I think we're seeing some really positive things. You know, I, I like you said, Ryan. I caught some uh, folks on Twitter uh, voicing their opinions on uh, not only the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special, but the upcoming series Star Wars Rebels. Which uh, honestly, we could do an entire different podcast just on that show, even if it's not out yet. It's uh, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan, and uh, if if you're if you're worried about the way Disney's handling Star Wars, let us hear it. We'd love to talk to you, and maybe I could help talk you off that that uh, that uh, windowsill, uh, <laughs> keep you from jumping. Uh, you know, I, I could convince you maybe it's not such a bad thing, hopefully, uh, because uh, it's, it's pretty clear to me, Ryan, that Disney's uh, handling it very well. And we're in for a heck of a roller coaster ride over the next five to ten years with all the new Star Wars coming at us, whether it be episodes seven through nine or spin-off films or of course Star Wars Rebels. It's very exciting. But yeah, like Ryan said, we love to hear from you guys. So send us an email and catch us on Twitter and let us know what you think. 
Yeah, so that's 66podcast at gmail.com, 66podcast at gmail.com, and on Twitter at podcast66, podcast66. Follow us. We'll follow you back. We're not snooty. Um, and we will definitely want to interact with you guys. Fan sided. That's what it's all about. And let us know what you think about the Expanded Universe. If you know anything about Coruscant, we'll have you on. We'll talk. You know, we'll, we'll read your email online. If you have any thoughts on Disney and what they've done so far, and I am on record, I'm going to be on record as saying I think Rebels will rival, if not pass, the quality of the Clone Wars that was on Cartoon Network. I said it. I think uh, Dave Filoni learned a lot from the Clone Wars. I think he's more experienced. I think what they're going to bring to the table with the characters, what they can try. They can inter- they can in- you know introduce the Darth Vader and the Emperor you know they can do all kinds of crazy stuff and I think you if you love Clone Wars I don't see why you wouldn't love Rebels it's 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 a uh, it's a time and it's a story that hasn't been told in canon form yet and I think it's really boy. exciting so uh, yeah boy Filoni man if you think I'm a fan of Kevin Smith and Mark Hamill you get me started on Dave Filoni I might just start salivating at the mouth and. And pass out right here. <laughs> and put a, and put on a cowboy hat and start dancing. So, anyways, yes, <laughs> so that's that's kind of what our fan interaction, fan question today is. Once again, you can email us at sixty six podcast at gmail dot com. Follow us on Twitter at podcast sixty six. Let us know what you think about Coruscant and the expanded universe, as well as Star Wars Rebels and Disney and their effect on Star Wars. So now. This thing's come to a close. It's been real fun, Daniel, and I've really had a great time. This is episode one of Podcast 66 on DorkSideOfTheForce.com. Proud member of the Fan Sided Network. And as we come to a close, I think we really want to thank you guys for listening. Remember, you, you can you you can listen to where you can follow us and email us at. And we're going to get better at this thing, and I think it's really awesome. We're going to have more guests and segments and things. And, and we will do this every Friday, and it should be released every Friday night, and you can listen to it on DorkSideOfTheForce.com and soon iTunes. Thanks a lot, Ryan. It's been a blast this first episode. Can't wait for the next one. It's an exciting time for us fans, and we really appreciate all of you tuning in to Podcast 66, and we hope to hear from you guys, and we will see you next time, and as you were, troopers. Absolutely, and remember, if someone tells you to execute Order 66, try not to shoot the person in front of you. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. This was episode one of Podcast 66 on DorksideOfTheForce.com. For Daniel Barry, I'm Ryan Donahoe. I want to thank you guys for listening. Once again, answer our fan questions, and you could appear on the show. You can email us at 66podcast at gmail.com, as well as following us on Twitter at Podcast 66. We really appreciate you guys for listening. Please keep reading DorksideOfTheForce.com. We are brought to you today by the fan-sided sports entertainment app. Remember, you can go on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and download the all-new fan-sided sports entertainment app where you can subscribe to your favorite sports entertainment uh, entertainment news from um, all the way from Game of Thrones, Star Wars, NBA, NFL, anything you want to, you can definitely listen. The Fan Sided Sports app is now available for iPhone, iPad, or Android. Thank you guys for listening to Podcast 66, and we'll catch up next week.